0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Today, we are on part five of a series that we started five weeks ago called Grace. On repeat. And we are discovering what the gospel is and how powerful the gospel is. Paul writes in the letter we call Galatians that if you change the gospel, you nullify it, you remove its power. And the gospel is this, that you and I are lost in our sins and God so loved the world that he sent his son to rescue us and that it is faith in Jesus that saves us and makes us brand new. Any addition, any change, changes the gospel. And so Paul writes to these Greek believers, these non-Jewish believers, because he wants them to know, hey, you are under pressure to change the gospel. Don't Change the gospel. It is powerful. And they're being kind of forced into, well, you need to obey Judaism. You need to observe the kosher laws and be circumcised and keep the Jewish moral code for God to love you. And Paul's like, no, that's going to change the gospel. Stay the course. And for us today, we can feel the same pressures when we experience religion and its pressures to say, oh, am I good enough because of what Jesus has done? Somebody say, I'm good enough in Jesus. Come on, you're good enough in him. So today we're going to continue this series with Galatians 5. First, I want to see who maybe is like me in this space. Uh, Have you ever done something wrong, right? Just kind of knew it was wrong. And then later as you reflected on that moment, that decision, that conversation, you thought, why did I do that? Anybody besides me, go ahead, raise your hand if that's you. Probably all of us. Like, you had the conversation, you had the moment, and you're like, why did I do that? It, maybe it happens even in real time. Uh, when Amy and I have conversations, which is the pastor way of saying fights, when we have conversations, uh, there's this part of me inside that's like, dude, just go low, be humble, ask for forgiveness. And then there's this other part in me that's like, stand Your ground, buddy. Don't give in for a minute. Don't talk. Just withdraw. Just stand your ground. There's like these two forces opposing each other. And it's like, I want to do this. I know this would be life giving. And yet there's this other part that's like, no, just do this. Do what you want. So if you can relate to that, I want you to know that you are not alone and not just the camaraderie of those in this room, but the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. He goes on and says, I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. The great apostle Paul moved by the holy spirit writing down for us in words what you and i experience now i'm going to kind of give this this moment that paul's talking about this phrase this picture i'll call it the struggle It's the struggle to honor the Lord in our lives. If you are a follower of Jesus today, it's the struggle to honor the Lord. And at the same time, there is this opposing desire at work in us that says, but I just wanna do whatever I want to do. And here's where we're gonna go today. If you are a follower of Christ, that Jesus has made you new, filled you with his spirit, you are saved. Hear me. You are not created to live in the struggle. You are not, you should not every day, this should not define who you are. That man, every day I just feel like I wanna honor God and I can't. I wanna forgive and I don't. I wanna love and I don't. I wanna stop this habit and I can't. I want to, I don't, I want to. That's, that shouldn't be what marks and defines your regular daily life as a believer. Everyone say the word Freedom. Freedom is what should define your life as a believer. And so we are going to discover together what freedom we have in Jesus. So here's what Paul writes. Galatians 5.1, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, this is so cool. Jesus' reason for coming, Jesus' mission for coming to this world was an operation of liberation. Yeah. Like, just think of that. Yeah. His, his point in coming to this world, he said, I came to seek and save the lost, to set people free. The reason why he came was an operation of liberation. I love that Paul's writing freedom is both the noun and the verb of his writing. It is both. He says, this is why I came, to set you free. It's the means and the end of the Christian life. And the Greek believers are being pressured to leave the freedom they have in Jesus and embrace instead a yoke of slavery meaning they are once again going to submit to something that will handcuff them, keep them trapped, and keep them from living the free life in Jesus. Here's how important this is. Lean in. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Isn't that a powerful phrase for Paul to write? Do you get what he's saying? He's saying, if you actually allow the law to start ruling your life again, if you actually say, well, I'm loved and accepted by the Father because of what I do, you're taking away the value of Jesus. It's as if like he shouldn't have even gone to the cross. If you could save yourself, why did he go? This is so important for you and I to no longer live bound up, but to live the free lives we have in Jesus. Let me give you a little Bible math, okay? Here's Bible math. If you add anything to Christ, you subtract Christ. If you add anything to the saving work of Jesus, you actually take away from his complete saving work. And for our context today, what that might look like Because maybe we're not being pressured to conform to the Jewish code. It's the pressure to conform to any set of religious beliefs in order to appease God. Anytime you enter a religious environment, a church space, and it feels like, yeah, but I have to, I'm obligated to. My prayer for you this morning is that you didn't come out because you woke up and said, ah, it's Sunday, I have to go to church. No, I, I pray that your desire is I long to be in the presence of others worshiping my king. Come on, we're giving in a out of a out of an overflow and offering because we desire to. It's not that we, oh man, I have to. So there's this freedom that we have in Jesus to live lives. And he says, Don't submit again, which means lean in. You actually have the freedom. In Christ, to forfeit your freedom in Christ. Like you actually could choose out of your own freedom. I know what Jesus has done. I know He set me free. I know He's changed me, and I'm a new creation. And yet, in that freedom, I could resubmit myself again to a yoke of slavery, Paul says. So let's just be here for a moment, and then we're going to move into another part. Don't forget for freedom, Christ has set you free. You are free. Everyone say, I am free. free. You're free. You're free. Now here's where, here's where we need to kind of go to the other side of this conversation. So if there was this spectrum, this pendulum that's swinging back and forth in the extremes, Paul is very much talking to Greek believers in Jesus who are having the pressure to conform to what we'll call legalism, law-keeping, right don't live here you're free from that now we can so easily swing to the other side and say okay since i'm free then i can live however i want right yeah. like i could just do whatever after all i'm free god doesn't really care about my decisions doesn't care about how i treat people i'm free to live however i want i can make up my own set of moral values i'm not going to conform to the law I can do what I want, watch what I want, say what I want, just kind of be whoever I am. I'm free in Christ. And now he is going to give us encouragement and invitation that we don't want to lose gospel freedom on this side and we don't want to abuse gospel freedom on this side. So if you're taking notes, write those words down. Don't lose it, don't abuse it. Don't lose the gospel freedom, don't abuse gospel freedom. Here's what he says, Galatians 5:13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You just said it. I am free. But he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. So Paul affirms what we know to be true in Jesus I'm free. Hey, I am called to be free. You were called by a gracious father, grace on repeat, to be free. And now he says, but let me, let me just give you encouragement here, a little warning. Don't abuse your freedom to indulge the flesh. So we need to understand what's Paul talking about here. Because some of you, like you are so ready to indulge the flesh with a dozen hot dogs after this service. You're like, oh, my flesh gonna get me eaten Good. Okay, so when he says flesh and when the New Testament authors often write about the flesh, the Greek word that they're using is the word sarx. Say sarx. Sarx. And now you know Greek. That's great. Some people go to school for that. You just learned it in a minute. It's sarx, S-A-R-X. And what that word really is used to mean throughout New Testament writing is the sinful nature. the, The not yet renewed aspect of who you are even though you are free in Jesus. So we started with Paul's words, right? He's like, look, there are things that I want to do and I I don't do them. There's things I don't want to do and I do them. What's going on here? Paul gives us insight into what's going on in those moments. Here's what he says in Romans 7. So now it is no longer I who do it because Paul has been made new in Jesus. He knows who he is. He's free. He goes, it's not me who's doing those things. The things when I don't want to do it and I do it and I don't do it and I do want to do it. He goes, it's sin that dwells within me. And he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. And for clarity moved by the spirit, he writes, that is in my sarks, in my flesh. So those moments that we're talking about where you're saying, I don't understand, like I don't want to do this. I want to live a life of freedom that honors God. Paul goes, I get you. And in those moments, it's not your new created self that's calling the shots. You're submitting once again to a yoke of slavery, to that old pattern, to that sinful nature. So like we can throw up our hands and here's where I, I just gotta encourage you, okay? So lean in, especially if, if I'm your pastor. This is not the great excuse that your SARS is looking for. What I mean by that? Well, like you don't get to leave. like see, I knew I couldn't stop that habit or addiction. After all, it's the sin in me. So really this is your fault, God, for not taking care of this. Okay, you don't get the great excuse from this scripture because we're gonna see what God has given to us now is so great that we do not have to live subject to the old patterns, to the old ways. and And hey, you and I have a hope of the future. Like we know the full restoration is coming when Christ returns and makes all the sad things untrue and will redeem all of humanity, every aspect. And in the waiting between the already and the not yet of his coming and returning, we have hope and we have power by the spirit of God that is at work in us. So what I think has happened is, media portrayals have given us the wrong image of what it looks like of you, that the spirit of God in you opposed by the flesh, the sarks. Like we have this visual, if you're like me, how many like action movies and when things blow up, just blow something up on screen, I'm in. Or it's like, let me see some superheroes fight. So like, I think because we, we lean in that direction, we then apply that to what we read here and we're like, okay, so it's like my, my spirit man, me and Jesus and Iron Man and, and the Avengers, we've assembled. And then there's the flesh and Thanos, but he's got all the power stones. And like, we're going at it. And at some points it seems like the bad guys are winning, but then it seems like the good guys are gonna win. And we're looking at visuals that has an angel on this shoulder and a devil on this shoulder. And we're like, oh, the Christian life is such a struggle. I wanna do this and I can't do it because sometimes evil's stronger. That's not the Bible. That is not God's word. That's Hollywood. And it's great for action movies, but that is not great for your Christian walk. You are not created to live a constant struggle of, I just want to honor God, but sin is so much stronger sometimes. No. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Do you not think that God by his grace on repeat is somehow handcuffed and said, man, I can conquer everything except for a pornography addiction. Just can't can't get rid of that one in that person's life. Just can't bring them to forgive their spouse. That one's a little too tough for me. I just wish I could move their heart to generosity, but it's just too strong. The greed. Come on, the spirit of God lives in you. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. These are God's words and his promises. Here's how Paul tees up what it looks like, the the sarks, the flesh. Here's what he says. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off, what is the language there? Your old self. It's old. It's not current. (laughs) It's not who you are in Jesus. It's your old self. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He goes on and says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on, look at the language, the what was what it say? The new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the flesh is not current, the flesh is the old patterns understand before the grace of God touched your heart and you were made new, you responded by putting your faith in Jesus. And scripture says you are born again. Before that moment, the flesh was ruling alone and unopposed in your life. It called the shots. You knew no different. You may have had some moral code that you grabbed onto because one, maybe the law said, do or don't like the law of this country, or you just kind of Decided, well, this is good for me not to do it. Or maybe because God says he writes his law on our hearts, but your flesh just called the shots. You didn't want to forgive that person? You didn't do it. You don't want to be kind that day? Who cared? You want to justify the media you took in? There was no conviction. And then the spirit of God comes in and makes you new. And this once ruling unalone and unopposed flesh Now becomes the old pattern, Mm -hmm. the old self. Mm -hmm. And at times, you and I, in our freedom, say, I kind of like the old way better. It was easier. And you know what? It might have been easier, but it didn't lead to life. And it wasn't God's plan for you. Mm -hmm. And now you get to what we'll read in a minute walk by the Spirit. Here's the life of the believer. Paul says, but I say, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Say, walk by the Spirit. Just walk by the Spirit. We'll see what that means. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what's this series all about? What's Galatians all about? One word, grace. God's grace on repeat in our lives. God, by his grace, sends his son to pay the price for our sin so that we might have a new declaration. It's called justification. We would be declared righteous. And God, by his grace, sends the spirit into our lives so that we can now walk out this new life. He uses the word walking. Two words that come to mind when I think of walking, direction and empowerment. When you walk, you should have a direction onto the, direction, onto the place you're walking. Because if you don't, you're likely to walk into a pole and I speak from experience. (laughs) Curtain church, the problem with curtain church is you don't know if there's a pole behind a curtain and we do our best to make sure you know, but I have found every pole in this place, trust me. It's a pole. Direction. When you walk, have a direction. Here's the second thing, empowerment. You ever seen a wobbly toddler try to learn to walk? Their legs don't have the strength yet. They're not empowered to walk. So they're holding on to the couch. They're scaling furniture. They're taking a couple steps and they're going down. Their legs don't have the power yet. To walk by the Spirit, the Spirit gives you both the direction and the empowerment to live a life that honors God. It's Him. It, Amy and I, we've been praying a prayer over our children since before they were born from Psalm 23. Lord, may you lead them on a path of righteousness for your namesake. Lead them on a path of righteousness. There's a direction and you have to empower them to walk that path. Amen. To walk by the Spirit means there's direction and empowerment. Now, Paul's gonna talk a little bit of what it means to walk by the flesh. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Your sarks and the Spirit of God do not play nice together. They they do not get along. The flesh is that sinful nature to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's the opposition. But notice, Paul's not saying, and that's why you struggle every day, Christian. And that's why you should just give up. And that's why things will never change. And that's why I'll always be addicted. And my dad did it. My granddad did it. I'm gonna do it. No, there is no defeat in what Paul is saying here. He's painting a real picture that the Sarks is opposed to the spirit of God. And yet you and I get to walk by the spirit of God. God's given you everything you need to honor him. I love this verse, write it down. It should be one that you know. 2 Peter 1, 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Isn't that a beautiful promise that God has made to us? Written by Peter. I think Peter wrote it because Peter knew he needed it. Man, I need everything to live a life that honors God. I can't do it on my own. And God doesn't say, I'll just give you most things and you gotta work out the rest. I'll give you some of it, but you gotta finish up the race. He says, I've given you everything. We have received all of this. Look at the gospel. By coming to know him, it's rooted in our knowing him. Well, how did I know him? He was the one who called you to himself. The gospel is the father called out and you and I responded by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God calls, God empowers. Now, Paul in Galatians is about to give us a list of what it looks like if we indulge the flesh. And I wanna say this before we read it. One, it's not exhaustive. So don't think, well, I'm just gonna create a list now that I have from scripture and go through a checkbox system and say, I don't have that one, I don't have that one, I'm doing good there. If you do that, then you're just going back to a yoke of slavery. You're taking the word of God and you're making a law for yourself. And honestly, if you go through this list and say, I don't have all of these things, you probably have selfish ambition, which is pride. So there you go, you got something. So we're gonna look at this. And what Paul is painting for us is followers of Christ, who he's writing to. If you wanna choose to indulge the flesh in your freedom, here's what it'll look like. And here's the end result. So here's what he says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we read these words, and there could be something that wells up in us that says, well, I'm not doing any of that, so I guess I'm good. Your goodness isn't based on what you do or don't do. It's based on the grace of God in you. Or you look at it and say, well, that's just not fair. I mean, some of those things I'm engaging in and they feel good to me, they are acts of the flesh. Let me speak to the dads for a moment, the parents in the room. How many of us would look at a list like that and say, you know what, off this list, I really hope my kids pick a few. (laughs) I, I wouldn't mind if my kids were a little selfish ambition, maybe some sexual immorality, some lust, some envy, maybe get drunk once in a while and hang out at a wild party. We look at that and we shake our heads and maybe smirk a little like, I would never want that for my children. And then when a holy God says, I don't want that for you, we look back at him and say, why are you trying to stop my fun? Why are you getting involved with all your rules and all your do's and don'ts? And he's saying, listen, you have the freedom to do it. I'm just telling you, you won't inherit the kingdom of God living this way meaning you will not experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, living in his presence, walking by his spirit, if this defines the way you live. It's the acts of the flesh. And the flesh doesn't call the shots anymore. The spirit of God does in you. That's old patterns. We live in a world that literally says, let's take pride in our sin. Let's, let's be proud of this sin sexual immorality, envy, drunkenness. Let's be proud about it. Let's talk about it. Let's post about it. Let's even designate a month to being proud. It's the world we live in. We get to live out the principles of God's word and walk in a new way. How many are thankful for that, that God's made you new? This is not who you are. The pressure is not to try to live this way. The invitation is to trust the one who's called you and equipped you to honor him. So Paul shifts gears now. He writes about the acts of the flesh. Now he's gonna go about what it means to live by the spirit and notice the language he uses. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. I love that Paul says, here's what it looks like to indulge the flesh, but here's the fruit, and that's an intentional word. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. So when he uses that word fruit, it brings to our mind agriculture. And so I wanna show you four words that we can pull on to understand what does it mean that the, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not even the acts of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Well, here's the first thing, write it down. Christian growth is gradual. It's gradual. Any of you take a shot at doing a garden this year, planting something, a couple of us? Okay, when you planted, did you go out the next day and then wonder why you didn't have no tomatoes on that plant you planted yesterday? No, you did not. And if you did, you then said, oh wait, I'm in the wrong place. I need to go to the grocery aisle at the supermarket. That's where the tomatoes are. You understood that... Fruit production is gradual, not overnight, not instant. This should give us hope. The fruit of the Spirit is gradually produced in our lives. Do you know what that means for you? You may not look like who you want to look like yet in Christ, but because of the Spirit's work, if you really think about it, you don't look the way you did a year ago. And if you do, and if you do, pay attention. Pay attention because the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in your life and it's gradual. Yeah, Got to ask him, why, why, why am I still struggling with the same thing I was struggling with a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? I want him to produce that fruit in my life. It's gradual. Here's the second thing, and this is another hope word. Spirit fruit is inevitable. I just believe that if the Holy Spirit is the farmer, that inevitably fruit's going to grow. He's going to do his job. He's good at his job. It's inevitable. That should fill you with hope to know. Inevitably, he is going to produce the fruit in my life. What am I called to do? Walk. Yeah. Walk. Just, he said, just walk by the Spirit. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. It's inevitable. Here's the third thing. Fruit has internal roots. How do you know that a tree is alive? By the fruit it bears. But the fruit doesn't make the tree alive. It's a sign that it's alive. It's alive. The life is in the root system. If you don't have good roots on a tree, I don't care if you staple apples to the tree. You ain't fooling nobody. That's a stick with an apple staple to it. I want to see the root system. The root determines the fruit and the fruit shows us if it's alive. So, this is important. So the fruit of the spirit shows that you have been made alive by the Spirit. And this is important. Maybe you came from a church culture that put a lot of emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit, which are beautiful and needed and given by the Holy Spirit. But Paul writes in Corinthians that if you have a gift, but you don't have the fruit, he says love, that you're like a clanging cymbal. It's just noisy and loud. Maybe you've met someone like that before. They had a word from the Lord for you, but at the same time, they were not kind at all. They weren't gentle. There was no patience. There was no self-control. There wasn't even joy. I got a word to give you. Bro, I got a word for you. Joy, joy. The fruit shows internal roots. So here's what that means. You don't get to just walk around saying, I'm a, I'm a holy Christian. Look at all my giftedness. Look at all that I have. No, the fruit shows the root. Is there fruit produced in your life? And here's the fourth thing, and this is beautiful. Christian growth is symmetrical. What do we mean by that? Well, notice the translation of the word fruit came over singular to us. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. That's because in the Greek, it is a singular word. Maybe for you, the thought of the fruit of the Spirit is more like a fruit basket. How many like fruit baskets? I love fruit baskets, as long as there's chocolate bars in them. I get rid of the fruit and I eat the chocolate and I'll take the crackers and the fig jam too. But a fruit basket has different fruit in it. It's not the fruits of the spirit. Meaning, while I'm really good at love, I just struggle with patience. I can't figure out the gentleness thing, but I'm growing in self-control. This is a metaphor, so it won't hold up perfectly, but think more of it as an orange with slices. And the slices make up the whole. It's one fruit. This should give you hope. The fruit of the Spirit will grow symmetrically in your life. That the Holy Spirit has this. And that you as a believer have access to the fruit of the Spirit as he produces it. If you're leaning in one direction and say, well, I'm more naturally a patient person, maybe that's because that's how God made you. I'm more naturally joy-filled. That's your natural makeup. That's how you were made in his image. This is something supernatural that God has the ability to produce in your life. Don't throw your hands up and have another excuse of, I'll never be a patient person in yourself. But the fruit of the spirit produced in you, it's gonna grow symmetrically. That's who he is. And that's what he does. So let's land here. How can the fruit grow in our lives? Paul tells us in the last verses, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Three things. One, don't forget you belong to Christ. You're His. He called you. You belong to Him. It's His saving work. Two, the flesh is not this living, contested opposition to the Spirit of God. It's a crucified thing. It's dead, it's gone. When old patterns come up, get this visual. You are literally going back to a dead way of living when you live that way. It stinks. It's decaying. It's been crucified. Third, ongoing and active. Keep in step. Don't walk once and then say, I did enough for this week. I saw a funny meme recently. It said, um, don't talk to me about exercise. I walk daily with the Lord. I thought that was funny. You need to walk daily. You need to walk. here. Listen, if, if this, please, especially if, if this is your church, If this is the only time that you are in God's word, that is not good. You cannot only be in God's word for 30 minutes a week. I'm not that good, our preaching team's not that good, you're not that good. You and I need to walk daily, be in his word. Prayer and worship, not just in a corporate setting, once a week, no. You need to be singing out to the Lord at home, at your office, in the car, Praise always on your lips. Connecting with others. That's why you need to be in a small group. Gathering with believers to say, here's where I'm going through. Can you pray with me? Can you celebrate with me? Keep in step. Keep walking. Say, keep walking. Keep walking. walking. So let's end here. Team can join me as we get ready to close. Paul's words. He said, things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. Then he went on and says, it's not really me, it's the sin in me. And here's his last part. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So hear this church, your identity is not wretched man. Your identity is not sinner saved by grace. Your identity is adopted child of God, delivered by the power of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, made whole, and now you walk in step with his spirit. Can you thank God that he's given you all of that through Jesus Christ? You are whole, you are alive, and there is nothing that can take you from his hands. That's who you are. Walk it out. Keep in step. Follow him. Don't do it alone, collective of believers. So I wanna pray for you and then our team is gonna sing a song as we exit this space. Call on his name through music one more time. Oh God, I need you. But I wanna pray right now that you would lean into the spirit of God that is at work in you. And if you're not a follower of Christ today, as I'm praying, call on his name. Hey Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord, be my savior. You are made new. Would you open your hands before our King? Father, thank you that Jesus came to this world to die, pay the price for our sin, make us new. Thank you for the power of the spirit at work in us. And I pray that we would not live a life of struggle, but that we would know the old is gone, the new has come. We're empowered with everything we need to live a godly life. So Lord, we look to you today. We say, oh God, oh God, I need you. What you did then, you're doing now moving our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.